Right, let's uh, go ahead and get started. We're gonna um, we're starting a new uh, series today called uh, "Making Sense of Forgiveness," based on um, a book by Brad Hambrick called "Making Sense of Forgiveness." Um, we're gonna be spending approximately ten weeks, kind of working through uh, the book, thinking about forgiveness. So we're we're gonna come at it from various angles, looking at uh, different aspects of forgiveness, and also um, trying to clear up maybe some misunderstandings we often have about forgiveness. Um, One thing I wanted to say at the beginning, uh, so forgiveness is a big topic, uh, raises all kinds of questions, ideas, thoughts. Um, If you want, uh, send Craig and and me... um, uh, questions that you have about forgiveness, and most likely many of those questions we're already planning to address as we walk through this, but maybe there's some things uh, that come up, you know, maybe a couple different people ask the same thing, so it'd be good for us to know that, and we can work it into um, the, the material, but um, just keep in mind, we're, we're going to be spending about 10 weeks on this, so Something may come up today, next time, and uh, it may be addressed three weeks from now, four weeks from now. So um, keep that in mind, but we definitely want to try to, um, if there's lingering questions, lingering um, just things that don't make sense, we definitely want to address those. Um, Let me, I've been sick at home for about the past week, so I am curious if I'm going to pass out about halfway through this. Uh, I'm not sick or contagious any longer, but um, this is the most activity I've done in a week. So, <laughs> so we'll see. You know, if at like uh, 9:30, you know, I just need to lay down on the pew and we need to call it. Hey, um, we'll pick up next time. <laughs> uh, let me pray, and then we'll start working through the um, this first section. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the the wonderful forgiveness you've extended to us through your Son, Jesus. We thank you for the the assurance we have uh, from your Word that through faith in Christ our sins are forgiven, that we have been uh, pardoned, that we've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we, we also, Lord, recognize that you call us to forgive as we've been forgiven. So we ask that you would help us as we think about this topic over the next several weeks, that you would um, clarify for us what you call us to, that you would even enable us, Lord, to do what you call us to do. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, um, I'm going to move this sticky note. You know, as you know, we, um, we live in a sinful world. We live in a broken world. We ourselves are sinful, broken people in relationship with uh, sinful, broken people. And so inevitably, um, there will be plenty of opportunities for conflict on the one hand and then opportunities to uh, grant and receive forgiveness on the other. Um, No surprises there, I, I, I would assume. Now, as Christian people, you know, we know that we're called to forgive. We know that um, forgiveness is a, is a big topic in Scripture. Um, I, I think 
often we we tend towards um, simplistic solutions when it when it comes to forgiveness um, and even uh, simplistic answers when maybe we're trying to help a friend wrestle through um, the need to forgive or, or perhaps even ourselves wrestling wrestling through it um, so we know Jesus calls us to forgive those who sin against us but but it can be difficult to know how exactly do we go about that in in particular situations you know most um, most relational conflict situations are complicated right they're they're not um, you know, it's not always clear what exactly the problem is or, or how best to try to work through the issues. Um, so forgiving others as Christ has forgiven us requires wisdom. Um, it, it can't be reduced to just a simple set of rules. Now, in some ways, it would be much easier, right? If it was like Bible, Paul just laid out here, you know, here's the five steps to, to um, do every time there's conflict. Um, forgiveness requires wisdom, and so that's part of what we're trying to explore in this this series is the wisdom that Scripture brings to this issue of uh, forgiveness. So today we're just going to kind of we're going to start looking at some um, what we're calling um, uh, definitions and misunderstandings. We're also going to kind of complete this section. Uh, the font next week. So we'll start today, and we're going to look at um, three key ideas. I had a handout with me. I don't know where it ended up, but ah, here it is. Uh, three key ideas. First, uh, forgiveness begins with pain. Second, five things forgiveness is not. And then we'll we'll finish. Hopefully, we'll get to it today. Um, three dimensions of forgiveness. So, let's start with this this first one. Forgiveness begins with pain. Now, let's say a friend comes to you um, to talk about some conflict, and um, they recognize that that forgiveness needs to be granted and received in some way in this situation. Um, without knowing the details of the, the the situation, what do you know already? You know that there's pain. You know that there's hurt. Um, the fact that that something happened that requires forgiveness means there's pain. The friend who came to you is experiencing hurt pain to some degree, the, the other person involved or persons involved in the conflict um, are experiencing pain. Um, so discussions about forgiveness are not just abstract. Um, we're not just here kind of for the fun of it theorizing about forgiveness or, or the doctrine of forgiveness or something like that. Um, we're talking about real relationships uh, real conflicts, um, real real hurt. And so um, even as we start talking about forgiveness this morning, I'm sure some of you are starting to, to remember things that have happened in your in your life or, or even ongoing you know uh, conflict or relational dysfunction. and so and there's uh, oh, is he going to say this or, or what is he going to tell me to do? or you know it, it's a difficult 
uh, thing to sit here and think about. We, um, because of that hurt, because of real relationships that are out of joint, that are disordered because of uh, simple things that have happened. So uh, it's important to, to recognize that context uh, as we talk about forgiveness, that it begins with hurt. And so in light of that, uh, one thing we need to recognize is that we need to slow down. If, if a friend comes to us asking for uh, counsel or help thinking through the need to forgive, or if you yourself um, are in a situation where um, you're, you're thinking about the need to grant forgiveness, we should slow down. Our first inclination is to, especially when it's someone else, is to pressure the person to, to grant forgiveness as soon as possible. Okay, there's, there's sin, there's an offense, let's, let's call a meeting, uh, just get this over with now. Um, why do we rush or tend to rush uh, forgiveness? I th- there's probably a number of different reasons. A couple um, that I was thinking of is one, Scripture does talk about the importance of forgiveness. I mean, there's a lot. Jesus has a lot to say about uh, forgiving. So we know that it's it's a it's an important issue to our Lord. We know that it's a it's a important issue in Scripture. So there's there's some priority there to this, um, not letting things just simmer or fester. Um, also, we tend to look at this issue of forgiveness as a problem to be solved. Now, maybe not everybody does this, but but we tend to just see it as, okay, something's not right here, let's just fix the problem and move on. And maybe we don't realize sufficiently that anytime there's conflict and anytime we're talking about the need to exercise forgiveness, um, forgiveness is a journey to undertake, not just a, a problem to be solved. So um, it's not as uh, simple, maybe, as we often uh, might think it is. And rushing someone, let's just think in terms of trying to help a friend, rushing someone to the solution, um, it it really can backfire. Uh, You know, we're wanting to be helpful. Rushing a person can undermine trust. Um, the the per your friend might actually resist um, your your counsel your your advice be, because they they don't feel like they've been heard they they don't feel like anyone understands their pain and so before they can even you know wrestle through what it would actually look like to to exercise forgiveness in this situation they've just kind of closed themselves off because they're like i i'm reeling from this thing that happened and everybody's just you know telling me do this do that and no one's listening and they don't understand how um how hurt i am and so um slowing down very important um how do we build trust I have there in your in your handout. Um, I should say Brad Hambrick has there in your handout. Um, build trust through two things here: compassionate questions and patient listening. So 
how do we slow down and not just, you know, bombard somebody with, you know, 15 Bible verses about forgiveness? We, we ask questions, um, compassionate questions, and we listen. We listen patiently, so not just listening to, you know, uh, correct or, or provide a quick answer to everything they say, but we want to better understand our friend's pain. Um, we want to better understand where they may be on the forgiveness journey. So most likely they've already been wrestling through um, this situation, thinking about which uh, biblical principles are relevant to this situation. And we want to find out where are they? Um, you know, are they just so far from ever even thinking about trying to work through this situation? Or have they, you know, are they moving closer to um, wanting to begin working through it? Uh, we want to understand. Um, because you've probably been on the receiving end of this. I know that I've been on the giving end of this, where you just, you know, um, you receive all this, do this, do that, do this, and and much of it is so far from being relevant to the particular situation. You know, that you just um, are so quick to give advice without actually understanding um, what's going on. And so, you know, th- you can think of it this way. You go to the doctor's office, uh, you go to a doctor's appointment, you've got some kind of um, issue, uh, health issue that you want to get um, checked out. And maybe you've, you've gone to an appointment like that and the doctors come in very rushed, you know, and just kind of looks at the chart, does it, you know, t- does a couple things, um, asks you a quick question, um, and then you start to explain, and then they cut you off and say, okay, well, here, um, here's, you know, a little prescription for something, and then I got to go to the next appointment, and they move on. And you're like, well, that wasn't helpful at all. <laughs> um, on the other hand, if you get a doctor that comes in and, and sits down, and takes time to ask good questions and to kind of uh, take the time to figure out from from you what what you're struggling with what what the pain what's causing pain or or whatever it is asking good questions listens thoughtfully to your answers maybe asks follow-up questions to things you've said in order to to bring out um, more information and bring clarity and and only after you know that that conversation and maybe some preliminary um, tests do they make a, a tentative diagnosis and perhaps recommend some treatment uh, that's a much different experience right than than just the um, you know kind of drive-through fast food um, doctor's appointment um, and likewise, we want to give that kind of time and attention to uh, a friend we may be trying to help, um, or uh, maybe we're the one that, that needs the help. You can ask your friend, or you can ask someone to be this kind of friend for you. You know, help me think through this. Help me, um, help me better understand what's going on and what what would be required of me. And and one way to do that is questions. And I I have a list of questions from Hambrick's book 
there on the handout, and I'm not going to spend time on each of these, but you can see the kinds of questions that we could ask. And, um, you know, the simplest of all might be, what happened? And allowing our friend to tell their story without um, interrupting or interjecting, you know, as they say something and you're like, oh, I got a Bible verse for that. (laughs) Um, But just unless, you know, maybe you could ask clarifying questions, but just let them explain to you their perspective on, on what happened. There will be time later for for clarifying and perhaps even correcting and, and things like that. But, but just asking, what happened? Um, and there's a, lot, there's a number of other questions there. Um, some may be more relevant than others in a given situation. Um, but, you know, understanding not only what happened, but uh, that third question, what is missing from your life as a result of the offense? So remember we talked about any, any discussion of forgiveness means there's hurt. Hurt, pain is the context. Uh, this question helps draw out some more of that. So the pain may not be just the, the initial event, but the, the implications and the consequences of the event. Um, other things in, in the person's life have been disrupted because of whatever happened. Um, you know, what emotions do you cycle through as you deal with this offense? Um, what is probably the, maybe the, the one emotion we tend to key in on and, and focus on in conversations about forgiveness? Um, anger, usually. And, and we want to try to, you know, caution people about the anger and get them to move beyond anger, which... Um, needs to happen at some point, but there are other important emotions at work as well. Um, fear, um, maybe grief again because of you know a damaged relationship or other consequences. Um, confusion is is very um, prominent, you know, especially in the kind of initial aftermath of some kind of conflict. Um, confusion is very big. Person may be hurt. They may be you know, they've got some idea of what happened and why it hurts, but there's a lot that's murky and unclear to them about what just happened. I don't get it. Um, so confusion, other, feel, you know, emotions, they might feel unsafe related to fear. Um, what steps have you taken to make things better? Um, and, and how did that go? So most likely coming to you has, is not the first thing they've tried. And so you want to find out. Maybe they've already um, you know, tried to work through some of this and, and what happened. Um, so anyway, you can see the questions there. There's many others that, that could be asked. But being a, asking questions like this, which are many of them are somewhat open-ended, you know, just gathering information, um, this is a part of the process of, of building trust with, with someone who's come to you or maybe someone you're, you're help, trying to help. Um, these kinds of questions, letting them answer, uh, following up with good, good clarifying questions, communicates to your friend that, that you care, number one, that, that you are willing to take the time to hear out 
their concerns and their hurt and and what they're wrestling with. It, it communicates you're not just there with a hammer ready to, to hit the nail <laughs> and fix the problem. Um, so compassionate questions, and then, of course, in order for those questions to really communicate compassion and all that patient listening. Um, so I, I don't need to say a whole lot more about patient listening, but, but you know how it is. Um, where we're eager to kind of weigh in with our two cents and just, just being able to, to pause. Say, okay, maybe I just need to jot that down. <laughs> that thought that came to mind, I'll just jot that down. Maybe we'll come back to that at some point. Maybe it'll, maybe, you know, it'll turn out to not be a very relevant issue as we continue to work through this. Um, one other question there at the end. Um, uh, asking your friend, what question do you wish I'd ask? So, you know, there's only so much we can maybe think of to ask. We may be neglecting something very important to them. And so, again, open-ended question allows the friend to provide um, more information. So, engaging in this kind of conversation... So I know if, you know, I've got that list of questions there, it can feel like an interrogation. You know, you sit the person down, and you're like, okay, number one, what happened? All right, number two. <laughs> and you just kind of work through that list. I don't recommend doing it that way. Um, it can maybe feel like an interrogation. But if it's a real conversation, um, a real conversation, it, it puts, um, you're in a better place to help your friend. I, I think they're in a better place to maybe... Um, understand what help they might need. Hopefully, through a conversation like this, they've gained some clarity about what the real issues are. Um, So it's allowing you to get to know them. It's allowing you to get to know their experience better so that you don't weigh in with counsel that may be irrelevant, counsel that may be Um, wise in a different situation, but actually harmful in this particular situation. Um, And over the coming weeks, we'll talk about examples of those kinds of things. But um, sometimes what what is good in in one situation is actually not so good, not so helpful uh, in a different situation. And and we want to be able to discern uh, those kinds of things. So... um, Forgiveness begins with pain. We talked about, you know, the context of any conversation about forgiveness is hurt, uh, slowing down, building trust with questions and patient listening. Um, one thing before we move on to the next point, um, what about Matthew 7? You know, I, I am emphasizing here because Hambrick emphasizes the need to slow down and, and listen. What about Matthew 7? You, you know Matthew 7 uh, get the log out of your own eye um, so that you can see to get the, the speck out of the other's eye. Um, why, why not you know, begin a conversation with somebody who comes to you about forgiveness? Why not ask them to, to look at their own heart first and figure out um, where they've sinned? That, we often do that, right? There's conflict and we're like, okay, immediately, well... Um, let's stop talking about the other, the other person or what happened. You know, what did you do? Um, is that an important conversation to have? 
Yes. I mean, Jesus talks about it there in Matthew 7. Um, Is it the first conversation that needs to take place? Probably not. Probably not. Again, those questions, what happened? Um, What emotions are you wrestling with? All of that needs to kind of be brought out before the person's even in a place, maybe, to begin taking an honest assessment of their own potential contribution to the conflict. Um, You know, we we tend to jump to the, okay, get the log out of your eye real quick without listening um, to, to our friend's experience. And when we do that, even though we might think, well, the Bible says to do this, and so I'm just telling them to do what Jesus says, what, there are several things we could unintentionally uh, communicate. Uh, number one, we might, we might communicate to the person, your pain is no big deal. Let's just get on, let's move on from that. Uh, your pain doesn't matter. Um, we might be communicating without intending to do so, your actions were more damaging, are more damaging than the offender's actions. And in certain situations, that may be the furthest thing from the truth. And so we, do, we don't want to uh, jump in to these, you know, this get the log out of your own eye before we really understand or have a better understanding of, of what has happened. Um, we might also unintentionally communicate, well, let's just ignore the offense. You know, it's really no big deal, and your, your personal contribution to this is the only thing that matters. Now, does my contribution to the conflict matter uh, when I've been sinned against? Yes, if, if I contributed to the conflict, it does matter. But that doesn't mean these other considerations about what, what the other person did and, and the damage that's been caused and the consequences of all that, every, all that doesn't mean none of that matters. Um, Jesus' point in, in Matthew 7 there, and I'm thinking of uh, verses 1 through 5, um, Jesus' point there is, is, I think Brad Hambrick summarizes it well. He says, uh, Jesus' point was that when taking steps toward reconciliation, which we're going to talk in a few weeks about, um, some of the differences between forgiveness and reconciliation. They're not exactly the same. We'll touch on it a little bit more today. But when, when taking steps toward reconciliation, we need to model the kind of ownership of our personal failings we want the other person to display. So, um, you know, an important principle Jesus is laying down that in, in trying to work through conflict and work toward reconciliation, we don't come in, even if we're the offended party, we don't come in with some kind of self-righteous, um, holier-than-thou attitude. Um, we, we want to model humility. We want to be honest about our own failings and shortcomings. And um, that's essentially um, what Jesus is getting at there. So um, the conversation about the log in, in our own eye is important to have at some point, probably not the, the first thing. Um, that needs to be discussed. Um, just one final thing about that. Um, you know, I mentioned that one biblical principle that might apply and be helpful in, in one situation might actually be um, the wrong principle for a, a different situation or at least 
um, at that time for this other situation. Um, wise counsel, you know, so if we're saying, well, the Bible talks about this, uh, wise counsel given prematurely um, is, is usually less effective and in certain cases harmful even because it's, a, it's an unwise application of a biblical principle. Um, so, you know, just to scare you and make you really like hesitant to ever try to help somebody. Um, no, <laughs> not trying to do that, but just trying to help us see that forgiveness, this whole situation, it requires wisdom, requires wisdom. All right, so um, the context for forgiveness, forgiveness begins with, with pain. Um, let's move on next to five things forgiveness is not. So, you know, we're in a class on forgiveness. I haven't given a definition of forgiveness yet. I'll give a kind of a simple definition of it in a little while. But um, often, the, the reason we're going to talk about this instead of, moving, instead of starting with, you know, a definition, what is forgiveness and all that, is um, usually when conversations of forgiveness come up, you know, a bunch of fears start to well up within us. And, um, and we might, you know, those fears can, can cause us to resist the need to forgive. And so um, we want to try to, you know, especially if we were helping somebody else, but in this context, we're just thinking about it here together. We want to try to set our minds at ease by, by talking about common fears and, and um, maybe common misunderstandings about forgiveness so that we can kind of clear the clear the air we can we can get the the leftover food off the table clean up the table so that we can prepare to sit down and and have a nice meal a nice discussion about forgiveness so uh, five things i'm sure we could come up with 25 things but that would maybe be a little uh, excessive so um five things forgiveness is not uh, number 1 forgiveness is not is is not pretending that I'm not hurt. I know there's a double negative there, so it gets a little complicated. But forgiveness is is not pretending that I'm not hurt. Um, so I think sometimes we can think of forgiveness in terms of being fake. So there's some hurt has has transpired, and and we've moved toward forgiveness, and we say to the the other individual, I forgive you. And we kind of put this big smile on our face and um, um, may even say, you know, I forgive you. It was no big deal. And, and it's just, but inside you're like, ah, it was actually a really big deal. And I've been wrestling with this for weeks and it's caused me sleepless nights and um, I'm super anxious about it. And I just keep going over it uh, again and again in my mind. But, but hey, it was no big deal. Don't worry about it. Um, that's not what we're talking about when we're talking about forgiveness. Um, you know, being fake is, would be a, a form of self-silencing. And uh, that losing your voice in, in the context of the need to forgive, losing the ability to say, actually, that was really, really painful. Um, that just compounds the pain when you feel like you've been silent. So, the truth is, um, forgiveness isn't about pretending. Um, it's not a commitment not to feel hurt, 
Forgiveness is a commitment about what you will do with the hurt when it flares up. Um, you know, just uh, saying, I've, I've decided, it's a commitment where we're telling the, the person who's hurt us, I've decided to relate to your offense toward me uh, differently instead of lashing out in anger, instead of, you know, seeking um, vengeance, instead of whatever. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to respond to your offense in a, in a different way. Um, so it's not saying I won't feel the pain. Um, even after forgiving, and you all know this, if you've had you know, a, a major offense um, committed against you and, and, and it has moved towards forgiveness, you know that even after granting forgiveness, um, the hurt can linger, right? Maybe it's not constant. Well, sometimes maybe it is fairly constant. Other times it may be more um, periodic where something triggers a memory of, of what happened and, you, and there's a fresh uh, sting, maybe not as strong as it was when the, when the wound was fresh. But, um, you know, even after granting forgiveness, um, it can, the pain can linger. And uh, Brad Hambrick says, if the person who hurt us gets upset with us for still hurting, they haven't repented. So if, they're, they're, if the person who has hurt us, and, or conversely, we could say if we're the person that caused, that hurt someone, and we get upset because they still from time to time feel the hurt of what happened, and, and we kind of get on their back and say, hey, stop doing that, and that's not fair. And uh, Maybe we haven't really recognized the damage done. Maybe we haven't really repented of the... Our, our actions and how damaging they were. Um, so forgiving someone, let, let's, let me say this, forgiving someone doesn't mean everything is better now. Um, it's the start of a journey. It doesn't erase the past. Um, it might mean things are improving, um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that everything um, has gone back to normal. Um, forgiveness, I, I like Hambrick says this, forgiveness is what allows us to express hurt as hurt rather than uh, hurt as anger. So forgiveness allows us to acknowledge, yeah, this, whatever it was that happened was so significant that it hurt me and it required uh, forgiveness to be exercised. Um, Forgiveness, second, is not letting someone off the hook. Um, you know, letting someone off the hook means nothing else needs to be done. There's no accountability, no, no changes are necessary. You know, you, you think of situations where that would be appropriate. You know, a coworker accidentally takes your lunch from the fridge at work um, and eats your lunch. They didn't realize it, that it was yours. And, and you say, oh, that's okay. I need, I need to diet anyway. No big deal. You know, that, that's letting someone off the hook. There, you know, it wasn't really, was, in that case, maybe it wasn't a big deal. Maybe it was a big deal to you. <laughs> um, but if it wasn't a big deal and you just say, you know, you don't need to do anything, no restitution, nothing like that. Um, forgiveness isn't letting someone off the hook. Um, you know, 
and we'll explore this more in, in coming weeks, but when God forgives us, uh, his forgiveness is meant to not only you know, take away our guilt, it's meant to change us. And um, likewise, uh, Hembrick says, when we forgive someone, it is right to expect that our grace toward them will have an impact on them. Now, there are caveats for all that, um, but in this context, um, granting forgiveness is not saying, I am okay with the sinful way you treat me and continue to do so. That's not what forgiveness is saying. Um, relationships that have been harmed by, by sin don't necessarily go right back to what they were before the offense. Even after uh, forgiveness has been granted, it's, it's perhaps not an immediate um, going back to exactly the way things were. We're, we're going to talk about that in more depth um, as we go on. But um, trust must be rebuilt. It takes time. Uh, change has to be demonstrated in order for... Change over time has to be demonstrated in order for trust to, to be reestablished. So, um, number three, uh, forgiveness is not making an excuse for someone. Now, I, I think this is one that comes up a lot. I know, I know I've wrestled with this, that um, granting forgiveness to somebody who has offended us, might, we might think that it seems to be a, a downgrade to the seriousness of their offense. Like the, the sheer fact that I'm forgiving them says, well, it really it, it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, and... Uh, Again, I'm just going to quote Hambrick. He says, Forgiveness doesn't reclassify an offense from a sin to a mistake. He says, Mistakes are excused. And we're going to talk about that more next week. Mistakes are excused. Sins are forgiven. Sins are forgiven. Um, mistakes, in, in the way he's talking about it, don't, don't require forgiveness. You know, uh, Sin requires forgiveness, which means... Whatever happened is a big deal, so much so that it requires actual forgiveness. Um, he, he says, uh, forgiveness classifies an offense at the top level of, of relational wrongdoing. Um, he says, quote, when we say I forgive you, we are saying the only thing that could make right what you did was Jesus' substitutionary death on the cross. So when, when some conflict comes into the realm of, of forgiveness, we're saying, this is a big deal, actually. Um, we're not saying, well, what you did really was kind of minor. That's why I can grant forgiveness. We're saying, no, <laughs> the fact that forgiveness is needed means this is a big deal. And, and Hambrick says, you know, for someone trying to excuse their sin, um, real forgiveness is offensive, <laughs> For someone that's just trying to blow off what they did and, and downplay what they did, saying that this actually has come to the, the level of um, where I need to forgive you, um, they may not want to admit to that. No, it wasn't that kind of thing. Um, so forgiveness is not making an excuse. It's actually saying this is a big deal, uh, requires forgiveness. Uh, let me keep going. Number four, um, forgetting. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Now, immediately, what's running through your mind? What phrase? 
Somebody said it. Forgive and forget. Um, we'll talk about that in, in later classes. Don't you love when the teacher says that, raises an issue, and then says, we're going to talk about that later. Um, we will talk about that more later. What, is it, what does it mean when God says, I'll remember their sins no more? Um, forgiveness, but for now. Um, forgiveness doesn't unwrite history or rewrite history, whatever way you want to erase history. Um, you know, most of us wish we could forget the, the things that have hurt us, the things other people have done that have caused us pain, right? It would be, life would be so much simpler if I just, that never came into my mind again. Um, but it's nearly impossible Maybe, maybe you know, as you age and, and the memory banks um, start to empty out, <laughs> um, maybe you, you forget. But um, what happened, happened, and there's no changing that. Um, and so forgiveness doesn't change the facts. Um, so uh, forgiveness is not exactly, um, not exactly forgetting in, in the way we often think. Um, Last thing, uh, number five. Forgiveness is not trust or reconciliation. So forgiveness is not trust or reconciliation. Um, I was going to give a little geometry lesson here to try to illustrate this point, and um, I'll, I'll go for it. All right. This, this could end horribly. It's simple, too. Don't worry about it. All right, Um, maybe you remember from geometry a square and a rectangle. All right, you know which one the square is, right? All right, just checking because I didn't. Uh, No, I'm kidding. Um, All squares, all squares are rectangles. Not all rectangles are squares. Come on, it's Sunday morning, daylight savings, why are we doing this? <laughs> all squares are rectangles, not all, square, not all rectangles are squares. Uh, a square is a specific type of rectangle. So a rectangle is, let me, I'm going to move on quickly from this, don't worry. Uh, a rectangle is a closed figure with four straight sides and four right angles. So four straight sides, four right angles. What is this? Four straight sides, four right, ang- four right angles. So a square is a rectangle. But um, a square is a certain type of rectangle. It's a rectangle with um, four sides of equal length. Four sides of equal length. So some rectangles, like this one, not all the sides are equal. The, the opposite sides are equal length, but this side is not the same length as that one. All right, let's... Maybe you're totally confused now. The only reason I, I'm making, uh, I'm saying these things is because I went online and looked up the proper definitions of these things. But um, in a similar way, just as all squares are rectangles, but not all rectangles are squares, in a similar way, uh, in a convoluted way, all trust and reconciliation are rooted in forgiveness. So trust and reconciliation are rooted in forgiveness, but not all forgiveness results in trust and reconciliation. 
So in order for there to be trust and reconciliation, forgiveness has to be there, has to take place. But forgiveness itself, the the exercising forgiveness, granting forgiveness, does not automatically, in every case, uh, without question, result in in trust or reconciliation, or um, we could even say the same degree of trust um, as was there before the offense. Um, now, if we and we're gonna we're gonna talk more about this again. We're gonna talk about this more in later weeks, but. If we don't understand this principle that, that not all forgiveness results in immediate trust and reconciliation, um, we're going to think that saying, I forgive you, means everything is back to normal and we just go about life as if nothing ever happened. Um, and in the back of our mind, we're thinking, well, normal, back to normal life, whatever that is, is what got me hurt. So I'm going to be in the same place three weeks from now. Um, and we, you know, if we don't get this principle, we might actually pressure a friend to um, reestablish trust and reconciliation prematurely before it's safe to do so, before it's wise to do so, before it's right to do so. Um, and, and that can be disastrous. Um, so again, um, in future weeks, we'll talk about when is it wise to, to reconcile? When is, uh, what does building trust look like as, as we move through the process of forgiveness? What does it look like after a major offense? Um, we, we will explore those, those questions. Um, but I just, I want to drive home this, this point that the decision to forgive and the decision to trust are two different decisions. They're, they're related, they're interconnected, but it's two different, um, you could say, two different um, points on the, the forgiveness journey. Um, forgiveness doesn't necessitate trust. In some cases, it would be really foolish to, to trust in the same way. Um, If you are being pressured to believe that forgiveness requires trusting immediately, you know, if you've gone to a friend to talk through a situation and they're saying, you know, just reestablish trust the way it was before, go back to normal, um, before certain other things have happened, um, that's a good reason to slow down. And and Brad Hambrick says that's a good reason to push the pause button on on, uh, granting trust to the offender because there might be some things that need to dis- be discussed first. And I know that kind of leaves us in, in limbo with that, but we will come back to um, that point. All right. In the remaining time, let me uh, work through this final point. Um, we should be okay. Uh, three dimensions of forgiveness. And, and let me say, um, are you starting to see, I mean, you probably already knew this, but are you starting to see that forgiveness is, is more complicated than just, well, somebody did something to you, Jesus says forgive, so forgive. Um, it, again, it requires wisdom, not can't be reduced to rules. So three dimensions of forgiveness. Um, 
When I say to someone, I forgive you, what am I committing to? And at the most basic level, um, you know, this is kind of a simple definition of forgiveness. At the most basic level, forgiveness is canceling a debt. Canceling a debt. And so when I say, I forgive you, I'm saying I'm canceling this relational debt that you've incurred against me. Um, The opposite of that would be leveraging a person's offense against them. And so um, in this idea of um, canceling a debt and the opposite being leveraging their offense against them, um, the first dimension of forgiveness is uh, intrapersonal, meaning um, within ourselves, our mind, our attitudes, our um, maybe posture towards another person. We are committing, this is what we're saying um, about how we will handle um, our thoughts and our attitudes about the person's offense against us. We are saying, I will not dwell on this offense and reduce you to this failure. Now, um, I think it's Hambrick words this very uh, deliberately. I will not dwell on this offense. I mean, sometimes the thoughts come. It's what you do with them that's important. I won't dwell on this, and I won't reduce you to this failure. So um, maybe this has been your experience. Um, Somebody has hurt you, offended you, sinned against you, You've worked through it. You, you've granted forgiveness. But in your mind, they are what they did. So let's use the example of a friend lies to you. And, and you know, they, they repent, they confess, they repent. You've granted forgiveness. But in your mind, they are just a liar. And they will always be a liar. And so you hear them maybe um, talking to someone else about honesty and integrity and justice or whatever, and you think um, they have no right to ever talk about that because they are a liar, Um, period. Um, And if they do talk about it, it gets you all riled up. It gets under your skin because... They're acting out of character. We've declared them to be a liar, and they're acting out of character, and we're like, ah. Now, again, I know you may be thinking of, well, what about a person that does continue to lie? Well, in that case, (laughs) you're you're not just arbitrarily declaring them to be a liar. You're just looking at the fruit. But I'm talking here about someone who, who told a lie, and came clean and confessed and repented. And, but we tend to reduce them to that one-dimensional character. That's all they are. Forgiveness is a commitment to allow that person to be a three-dimensional character in our mind. So, yes, they, they sinned against me by lying to me in that situation, but that doesn't, uh, that doesn't mean that they're not a good parent, and that if I see them parenting wisely and lovingly, like I shouldn't just assume, well, that's all just a show because they're a liar. Um, or, you know, the fact that they lied to me doesn't mean that they aren't a, a successful and talented teacher or whatever it may be. Um, they, they're still they're bigger than their their sin against you in that case. Um, the reason this is important 
is it protects us, Hambrick says, from being emotionally disrupted whenever the other per- the person who offended us um, you know, receives a compliment or something good happens to them and we think, they lied to me that one time. They, they should not have good fortune. The Lord should not be kind to them. Now, um, there's all kinds of you know, other things that could be said about this, but forgiveness is that, that commitment, at least for, my, for me and, and what I have control of in, the, in this situation, that I'm not going to uh, dwell on this offense and reduce this person to their failure. Now, if the person continues to engage in that sinful behavior, some other things come into play. But um, Second, interpersonal. So dealing with um, relate, the relationship between me and the person who offended me. Um, we're committing, when we say I forgive, we're, commit, we're saying I will not use this offense as leverage to coerce you to involuntary change. I won't use this uh, thing you did, this offense, as leverage against you. Um, you know, uh, you, you could use, you know, you've granted forgiveness, but you could use the fact that, that you had to grant forgiveness, they did something and you had to grant forgiveness. You kind of use it as a weapon. You use their offense as a weapon against them in the future. You know, um, any time something's not going your way, you say, remember you did that thing and I had to, had to grant you forgiveness, so um, shut your mouth and just do what I say. Um, or it's a, you know, it's a trump card. You know, the, the fact that they did that thing at, at one point and for, you had to grant forgiveness is kind of the like, it gets you your way. You know, it's almost like a power trip. Well, you want to you wanna go to that movie. Um, I want to go to this different movie and remember you lied to me and I had to forgive you. So no, we're not doing anything you say. We only do what I say. Um, you know, leverage looks can look like, um, leveraging the person's offense can look like unreasonable expectations, um, special rules. Um, he, say, uh, he says, returning to the example of the friend who lied to us, we could expect that they give deference to our preferences moving forward, which he says that would be the example of expectations, or that they give tangible evidence that all their statements are true, so special rules. Now, uh, important caveat. This is We're always having to do this as Christians. We're having to take one truth here and another truth over here and inter, you know, see how they interrelate, and not just, you know, go to this extreme or that extreme. With everything he just said about, you know, not leveraging a person's offense, um, he says if a friend is unwilling, you know, the friend who lied, if a friend is unwilling to voluntarily offset their deceit with more forthrightness, he says there's a reason to question their repentance. Um, we we shouldn't move toward trust, but but his point, what he's what he's trying to say here about this commitment, is that um, I'm I'm not going to use their offense to try to force the fruit of repentance. So I'm not going to use their offense to set up all kinds of you know unreasonable demands and expectations to try to force them to behave a certain way. Um, if if they are not willingly and voluntarily changing as a result of their confession and supposed repentance, then uh, perhaps 
repentance really hasn't happened. Um, one uh, final dimension, the, the social dimension, um, has to do with beyond the circle of just the relationship between me and the person who offended me, but um, how I relate to that person's offense in the context of uh, a web of relationships. So we're saying, I will not bring up this event with others unless it is to protect them. Now, that's an interesting way to put it. You know, I, maybe I would have expected him to stop at, I will not bring this event up with others. But he adds that, that final clause, unless it is to protect them. So um, let's think about this for a moment. Um, leveraging the person's offense socially could look like speaking negatively about the person who hurt us in order to harm their reputation. So you could think of a couple different ways this might go. Um, he, he talks about top of the mind, tip of the tongue conversation. And he said, you know, usually this, this is in the context of the pain is fresh. You really haven't had time to kind of work through it yet. And you're just kind of reeling from, from it, trying to make sense of it all. And you're, you're talking with another friend about something completely unrelated. And then all of a sudden um, you're like, hey, uh, you know, this person lied to me. And, and they're kind of like, we were talking about um, the Padres. Why are, how, how did we get here? And it's because it's just so fresh. Uh, the pain is so fresh for you that it, everything kind of reminds you of, of the offense. Um, so top of the mind, tip of the tongue. Or it could be very intentional. Um, you know, again, that, that example of the friend who lied to us. Um, and we know that they are interacting with another friend of ours. And we remember, oh, yeah, they, they were real deceitful and, and lied to me and, and caused a lot of pain. And then we kind of wonder, should I say something to this third-party friend, this third friend, or not? Now, we would need to question our motives, right? Um, are we worried that this, this other person is in danger of being lied to? Or are we just wanting to um, kind of defame the person who lied to us in the eyes of others? We, we just want to um, we just want to create mistrust toward that other person. Because on the one hand, it may be appropriate to in order to protect somebody who's vulnerable to a, a harmful person's actions. It might it might be appropriate to to warn them. On the other hand, if we're just simply out to tarnish their reputation, uh, it would not be appropriate to say something to the other person. So, um, Hembrick says, socially, forgiving means refraining from tarnishing the reputation of the person who hurt us for reasons other than protecting others. And protecting the vulnerable is very important in these situations. And I'm going to use the cop-out again. We're going to talk about that more later. Um, but just be aware that there, there are times where it is appropriate to bring up what happened for the sake of protecting other people who might be vulnerable um, to that person's sinful behavior. So forgiveness is really simple. And if you guys have anything you need to forgive... Uh, just get to it and stop waiting. No. <laughs> Forgiveness is is tricky, difficult. Uh, 
again, begins with pain, right? So it's not a simple matter of just knowing the right thing. Um, there's there's all kinds of um, emotional pain at, at play. There's there's actual real consequences for major offenses. You know, maybe uh, damage. There may be damage not only to you but your your other friends, your your family, um, employment, whatever it might be. And so, um, if and, and we will talk more about what it means to forgive as Christ. God in Christ has forgiven us. If, if we want to forgive that way, uh, we will need to think wisely about forgiveness. So um, some of the things, you know, kind of get rid of some of the misunderstandings that we've talked about. In future weeks, we'll talk about positively how we should think about forgiveness. But it requires wisdom to, to know um, when, what questions to ask people who are struggling, what um, what forgiveness would look like in a certain situation, what um, the relationship between the people who, who have the conflict, what that might look like after forgiveness. Um, so if you're wondering what all that could look like, you've got to come back um, future weeks. Um, so again, let me encourage you, if you've got questions about forgiveness, um, and, and I'm not talking about like, you got a specific question about what to do with a situation you're working with. We can talk about those. But if you've got questions that um, about just the idea of forgiveness, um, go ahead and send those to, to me and Craig. You can email them to us. If you tell us verbally right now, we'll forget. So um, email them to us, and, and we'll work those in as we're able. Um, most likely, many of those questions are, we're already planning to address. And then, of course, if you did have a particular conflict you're trying, you need help with, we are more than willing to help you. But um, we'll, we're going to continue for about nine more weeks talking about forgiveness. And um, we'll only be scratching the surface. I should give that caveat. But um, hopefully we'll, we'll be better equipped to uh, exercise forgiveness in our own relationships, but also help um, others who are needing to forgive or receive forgiveness. So let me pray, and then we'll be be done for this morning. Our Father in heaven, um, again, as we think about this topic, we recognize um, how just uh, painful it can be to even think through um, some of these issues. We recognize um, that Sins and offenses cause much harm and collateral damage. And, and, but Lord, we want to um, embrace your forgiveness. We want to be changed by your forgiveness in Christ into people who, who exercise forgiveness. And so Lord, make us wise as we uh, continue through this series in the coming weeks. Um, help us to know what your word says, but also to use wisdom in applying the, the principles we'll be discussing. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.